0: Well, good morning again, and uh, please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and we can read our passage in full today, which is verses 1 to 20. We looked at this last week, and we will look more in depth at it today. So, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. We read this. other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain other seed fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundred fold and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear and when he was alone those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables and he said to them to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of god but for those outside everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven and he said to them do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all the parables the sower sows the word and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them and these are the ones sown on rocky ground the one who hears when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold 60 fold and 100 fold why do people respond differently to the gospel of jesus christ this is the point of jesus parable of the soils he was seeking to explain why there were mixed responses to him Last week we looked at the first 12 verses which described the events leading to Jesus teaching the people in parables. Then a brief overview of the parable of the soils and finishing by looking at Jesus' words to his disciples when they came to ask him about the meaning of the parable and indeed to understand why Jesus was speaking in parables. Parables, as we saw, are short stories or short Analogies that offer a comparison. In verse 11, Jesus said to the disciples, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus' followers had received the divine grace of God to enable them not only to hear the truths of the gospel but to acknowledge them as true and to love that truth and to love the saviour that truth spoke about to those outside to those who did not love the truth of christ did not love christ himself jesus would speak in parables as a sign of judgment for their refusal to come to him the parables were sort of a way of sorting out those who truly believed from those who did not for those who believed in christ by the grace of god these parables were a way of gaining more and further understanding but for those who rejected christ the parables were a way of concealing the truth even more see in each group they received what they desired Those who desired to know more of Christ knew more. And those who desired to know nothing of Christ, even that was concealed from them further. There is a difficulty, however, in that sometimes people seem to respond to the gospel, but then turn away and reject Christ. And so how are we to think about that? Can you actually be saved, genuinely saved, and then genuinely lose your salvation well this is at the heart of the parable of the soils and we need to see the truth of this parable if we are to understand the other parables that jesus teaches and he said as much so to his disciples in verse 13 do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all the parables the parable of the soils is foundational to all the other parables the disciples cannot grasp what is spoken of here, then they won't have any hope of understanding what Jesus says in all these other parables. Now, while particularly last week we've seen that there was a lot uh, that this whole section teaches us about parables and the way of God's kingdom, this particular parable of the soils can essentially be boiled down to two foundational aspects, and here they are: first the gospel will be rejected by many. The gospel will be rejected by many. This parable serves as a reality check. In the context of Jesus' ministry, it helps his disciples understand why many have rejected Jesus and the message Jesus was preaching. So immediately prior to Jesus teaching this parable, he had the religious leaders claiming that his work was empowered by the devil and he had those from with his own earthly family, his half-brothers, coming to try and take him home, thinking that he was out of his mind. This parable shows that nothing less should be expected uh, as we proceed in gospel ministry. The gospel is a call for people to humble themselves before God, to acknowledge their sin before him, to plead for his merciful forgiveness. The good news is uh, that mercy is granted to those who repent because of what jesus did through his substitutionary death on the cross to to pay the price of sin for all who would believe in him an action that was vindicated by christ's resurrection on the third day but this means letting go of one's pride and that is not something people want to do in fact it's not something they can do by strength of their own will for everyone outside of christ is still in bondage to sin and will not choose christ because that would go against the desires of their own sinful nature they willingly choose to sin and so they will be judged for it by holy god if people rejected the gospel preached by the one whom the message is about jesus christ then we should not expect that things will be different for us in ministry today evangelism will be hard work but jesus has already told us that it will be this parable reflects the truth that jesus explicitly states in matthew chapter 7 verses 13 to 14 jesus said enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few so the gospel will be rejected by many but we are not to be discouraged by this because secondly the gospel will be effective in some the parable shows that while much of the seed that's spread by the sower does not produce fruit there is one soil in which the seed takes and the harvest that it produces is of tremendous abundance. The reason the seed takes root in the last soil is that God has cultivated it. God has done the work in that soil to make it good, to make it an environment where the seed can take root and grow and be fruitful. As the parable applies, we can have great confidence in, that evangelism will work because God will ensure that his people are enabled to truly hear the word and respond in faith. The parable of the soils is not a picture of four different types of Christians, but of four different responses to the gospel, with only one being a picture of a true believer. Why do we say that? Because true believers produce good fruit when john the baptist preached in preparation uh, for the arrival of the lord jesus he declared to the people in luke chapter 3 bear fruits in keeping with repentance when jesus spoke to the apostles in the upper room he declared in john chapter 15 you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide And think of the Apostle James who said in chapter 2, so not the Apostle James, James, uh, the brother of Jesus, in his letter, he said this in chapter 2, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The good works believers do are not in order to be justified before god but they are the demonstration that they have already been justified by god and these works that they do are empowered by the indwelling holy spirit the works are evidence that a person has been justified by the grace of god through faith in jesus christ but justification is completely the work of god enabled by the regenerating work of the holy spirit that frees a sinner's will from bondage so that they might willingly desire to repent of their sin and trust in christ as lord and savior the gracious work of god is the reason we can trust that the gospel will be effective in some he has chosen his people before the foundation of the world Christ came to die and rise again for their sins and the spirit affects their hearts in the course of time, enabling them to respond to the gospel. And so we can see why this parable is so foundational. The gospel will be rejected by many, but the gospel will be effective in some. These twin truths enable us to persevere in evangelism with great confidence, great confidence well with these things in mind let's take a deeper look at how jesus explains the particulars of this parable and so he starts in verse 14 stating the sower sows the word it's a picture of a preacher and the gospel now in the immediate context jesus is referring to himself he's the one preaching the gospel but in a wider sense it can refer to anyone who preached the gospel before him or anyone who preaches the gospel after him and it's not simply formal preaching from the pulpit either we're talking here of any person who has opportunity to speak the gospel in any setting apostle peter says to every single believer in your hearts honor christ the lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you the preached word is the method in which god saves sinners again i don't mean specifically preach from behind the pulpit but spoken in any sphere by any believer god has given us a foolish message and he's given us a foolish method but this ensures that when sinners respond all the glory goes to god alone but when we look at the variety of so-called evangelistic techniques that churches have used and continue to use particularly over this last century we can see that trust in the sovereignty of god to bring salvation uh, bring sinners to himself is really not fully understood or applied every endeavor that seeks to add to the gospel in order to convince people to believe is a lack of trust that god will save people through the means that he stated that's why for instance i saw a video clip of a well-known mega church pastor who last month installed a basketball court on stage at his church and spent his sermon bouncing around a basketball and shooting hoops that was his message charles spurgeon once quipped a time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. How did the gospel go forth as recorded in the book of Acts? What did the believers do? Did they do some of the things that we see around the place today? They prayed and they preached, and they prayed some more, and they preached some more. What was Jesus doing here in the midst of his opposition? Well, he walked away from the religious leaders and his wayward brothers and sat down and he preached to the crowd. He taught them. The Apostle Paul declared that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so we must endeavour to keep the important things in focus and trust that God will do his work through the way that he has stated. Now, that's not to take away from the fact that we are also called to, to love God one another we are called to uh, to acts of mercy in the, the spheres that we are enabled to do so but faith comes from hearing and so the word must be spoken we should also note from the action of the sower uh, that he was very generous in this parable very generous he scattered the seed everywhere in our preaching we should be doing our utmost to ensure that the word goes to all uh, the areas that we can possibly get it. If we knew who would respond to the gospel, we would go straight to them, wouldn't we? If, if we know it's by God's grace through the gospel that people are saved, then then if people are walking around with a big E on their head for elect, then we go straight to them, wouldn't we? But that's not the way it works. We preach to all and we trust that the spirit will bring the inward effectual call of the gospel to those who are god's people we should not be discriminate in the way and the people that we speak to we should seek to spread the gospel to every corner of this world these things are important to understand but the focus in this parable is less on the preaching of the gospel and more on the various responses to the gospel and these responses are depicted by four types of soil and so let's go through these now the hard soil is a picture of the fixed heart there will be people whom we speak to uh, that will simply refuse outright to acknowledge the gospel they might be polite about it they might not be polite about it but the reality is we are going to encounter this And here we face the simple truth that every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one who is good. There's no one who does good. We're all born in bondage to sin and are enemies against God. The gospel shines a light on this and it's no wonder there is opposition. So we read in John chapter 3, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed this is not to say that believers were any better Uh, for before god made us alive in christ we too were once dead in our transgressions and sins and followed the prince of the power of the air that is satan we too were in the same boat Before God's grace touched our hearts. But for those who are still in that position, we read in 2 Corinthians 4 what the Apostle Paul explains. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, that is Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God now there are many ways that people might express this hardness but essentially it comes down to pride we think we are in control we and we are unwilling to yield that control to god as it was in the garden of eden when adam and eve listened to the voice of the serpent so it has been every day since people were created with the capacity and the desire to worship but instead of worshiping the the triune god the holy creator and sustainer of life itself we create our own false structures of worship that we might control things that we might have the blessings of religion without any need for humbling ourselves this doesn't require an official religion either people make all sorts of things to to be their god to worship uh, whether that be work or health or family or football could be anything atheists are some of the most religious people on the planet they can be the most devout followers of their so-called truth claims how do we approach people with fixed hearts well everyone needs to hear the gospel um, but we need to be sensitive in understanding that if we've shared the gospel with someone and they cast it back uh, then while we continue to pray for them it might not be wise to continue speaking with them about the gospel until they ask again i mean the reason jesus started teaching in parables to the crowds was out of judgment because they were refusing to acknowledge the truth if we look at the spread of the early church in the book of Acts, Paul's usual practice was to go to the synagogues first and and talked until they threw him out, and then instead of hanging around and trying to get back in there, he went elsewhere. If we believe that the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe, uh, then we can trust that even if we only get one chance to speak the gospel, the seeds we have sown are powerful. In his first letter, Peter calls the word of God a seed that is imperishable. We are to take every opportunity to sow the seed, to preach the word. How people will respond is not up to us. Of course, we're not to be obnoxious in the way that we present the gospel, but the gospel itself is a stumbling block, is an offence. But the seed is sown and when we leave and we leave it to god as to whether in time it is his will to cultivate that hardened ground but that's also why we need to give the full gospel we might only get one chance and those with fixed hearts are not going to be tempted by the blessings god may bring because in their eyes they have enough blessings without him They need to hear the full gospel, which includes, as David says in Psalm seven, the fact that God is a righteous judge, and a God who feels indignation every day. And if a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. Sinners need to hear about the mercy of God and Jesus Christ, but they need to understand why they are in need of this mercy because they sit under his righteous judgment against their sin. That's how some respond to the gospel. What about others? Well, the rocky soil is a picture of the faint heart. There will be people with whom we speak uh, that will seem to respond to the gospel initially, but at the first sign of difficulty or trouble, uh, they will turn away. Let me answer a possible objection sorry not objection a possible question uh, to begin with what's the difference uh, between the fixed heart and the faint heart why does one seem to respond but is just as fruitless as the other well the answer is that many people want the gifts but not the giver those who immediately reject the gospel are well in reality they're more intellectually honest Uh, they don't want the gospel Uh, they don't want anything that comes from the gospel so they don't have anything to do with the gospel well that's just being honest but others like the sound of what the gospel can give them they like the thought of peace and joy or myriad of other things but they're unwilling to count the cost that comes with being a disciple of jesus christ in the great old testament confrontation between the prophet elijah and the prophets of baal uh, we are told in 1 kings 18 that elijah challenged the people of israel to clearly pick a side verse 21 we read this and elijah came near to all the people and said how long will you go limping between two different opinions if the lord is god follow him but if baal then follow him and the people did not answer him a word there's an indictment it should be though as simple as this right if god is god follow him if he's not follow someone else but that's not how sin works is it people want what god has to offer but without submitting to the means in which god offers it here in particular the faint heart likes the thought of being a christian and all the blessings that come from that until the moment where it will cost them something to stand for their faith. Jesus gave a decisive teaching on the necessity of counting the cost. He declared in Luke 14, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he goes on from there as well that's one of the reasons why in evangelism we are to preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth because we don't want people getting to a point when they realize they're not willing to commit to the lord in full they haven't realized what that means and they're not willing to bear their own cross they're not willing to suffer for bearing the name of jesus but that's precisely what christians are called to do see in the scriptures we see that glory always comes after suffering in romans 8 paul declares this the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Jesus made clear that since he was persecuted, so would those who followed after him. But the wonder of what he achieved in our salvation meant that our sufferings are not the end. In fact, God can and does work through our sufferings to form us closer into the image of Christ, into what we'll be perfected in when we are glorified at Christ's return. This doesn't mean we are to enjoy suffering. We don't take pleasure in pain. We're not masochists. The same Paul who told us to be prepared for suffering also tells us to look after our bodies because they are now the temples of the Holy Spirit but suffering is inevitable to one degree or another true believers will carry their cross for they know that their savior has done so before them and for them so that their suffering will end in glory the next response we read about is similar in a sense that it wants the gifts but not the giver Yet it's different in the reason for ultimately turning away from the gospel. The thorny soil is a picture of the fickle heart. There will be people who seem to respond to the gospel, but their loyalty to Christ wavers when they are tempted by the wiles of this world. The Apostle John does not pull punches when he writes about this in his first letter in chapter 2 he declares do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of god abides forever affluence the prosperity in wealth can be a tremendous stumbling block this might not be the case for everyone in the world but for many in australia it certainly is we generally have a great life in this country we live in relative isolation from the rest of the world many are blessed with a home or two a car or two even a boat and more we have time for our hobbies we have everything we need why would we need anything from god what could he add to our lives that we haven't gotten won't allowing god into our lives mean losing what we have why would we want to risk that now that's the case for many outside the church but also for many inside the church as well but james reminds us in the first chapter of his letter that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures you see all that we have is from god even our salvation it was god who of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth those who respond to the the outward call of the gospel without an understanding that that all they have is from god will always be tempted by the ways of this world they'll not seek to use the material blessings god has given them for his glory and the service of his kingdom but will hold on to those things for themselves jesus was clear when he said no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money and hear these words from paul in 1 timothy 6 as for the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on god who richly provides us with everything to enjoy if those who have seemingly responded to the gospel uh, turned away by the desire for worldly gain then it's clear that they were never truly born again by the will of god it's why in the case of all three responses that we've looked at so far that they are not pictures of true believers none of these responses led to the production of good fruit but all true believers will produce fruit as a result of god's work in them an old saying about salvation is very true if you lose it you never had it salvation is by faith alone but that faith is a gift of god and we can hold firm to the words of paul in philippians 1 where he says and i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of jesus christ this leads us to the last soil in the parable the soil that shows the true response to the gospel the good soil is a picture of the faithful or the fruitful heart here is the confidence we can have that evangelism will be effective when we preach the gospel there will be those who are convicted of their sin who are convinced that jesus is lord and savior and whom they run to and embrace with all they have and we can have absolute confidence that when we preach the word there will be some who respond because that is the will of god you see people don't respond to the gospel because they are wiser or more thoughtful more considerate than other people if that were the case then salvation would be based upon our own works but that's not the case every single believer was at one point dead in their trespasses and sins we had no desire for god just like the person next to us but god in his mercy made us alive in christ jesus As James declared, it was God who of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth. Before the foundation of this world, God chose those whom he would set his affections upon and bring to salvation. And it was not due to any admirable or lovely qualities in those whom he would choose, but out of his own admirable qualities, out of his own love. This decision before the foundation of the world is then... Put into effect in history as god calls people to himself in the preaching of the gospel the outward call of the gospel is to go to all people but only those in whom the holy spirit works will be enabled to repent and trust in christ and so it is by grace alone that we are saved and without this grace no one would be saved but with this grace we have assurance that god will save his people jesus declares in john six forty four, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i'll raise him up at the last day we need to respond to the good news of jesus by faith but we understand from passages like this that when we exhibit faith that is a gift from god in practice we can also see this in the book of acts in the evangelism that happened through there in chapter 13 Paul and Barnabas are preaching in in Antioch and verse 48 says and when the Gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Then in chapter 16 Paul was preaching in Philippi and Luke recounts in verse 14 that one who heard us was a woman named Lydia From the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And then in chapter 18, Paul was facing opposition while preaching in Corinth. We read in verses 9 to 11. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for i have many in this city who are my people and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of god among them and so god had many people in corinth who were destined to be saved by the preaching of paul now this is not to take away the responsibility upon people to to respond to the message of the gospel but it brings us to our knees it humbles us and reminds us that salvation is only by the mercy of god we offer nothing those who lower themselves will be lifted by god it also gives us great confidence to preach the word for it will be effective now what about the fruit that believers produce Well, there's often a fear with us as believers that we're not doing enough for God. And as a result, we're worried about whether we truly belong to God. In one sense, it's healthy to assess our lives before God. In his second letter, the Apostle Peter calls believers to make sure of their election and calling. We think of the warning passages in Hebrews. The writer put these in place as signposts to keep believers from falling off the path to enable them to persevere to the end so we should carefully consider the way we think the way we talk the way we act is there a general growing towards holiness in our lives or is there a general demeanor to continue in sin if we sin are we deeply saddened that we have offended god and do we come to him in repentance knowing that christ is our advocate Do we love His Word? Do we have a desire to grow in our understanding of the Word and submit to the Word? When we come across hard teachings, do we skip over them? Or do we reinterpret them? Or do we actually wrestle with them and submit ourselves to them in faith, knowing that they have been given by a good God? Do we have a genuine love for other believers? sure we will experience difficulties with others but how do we seek to work through those issues are we willing to shine a light on our own selves or is it always someone else's fault if you are seeing growth in these areas then you can have assurance of your salvation even if you can only find a grape or two on the vine you're still seeing growth Sometimes we are too quick to measure that growth in terms of days rather than in years as well. What are you like now in comparison to five years ago, to 20 years ago, to 50 years ago? But having said that, we need to come back to where our assurance really lies. It is in the work of God. We are justified by the work of Christ, not our own and if god is the one who has graciously begun a good work in us then he will bring it to completion the good soil is good because god has readied it that gives us huge confidence in our evangelistic efforts but also in our personal sanctification as the spirit continues to work in us to make us more like christ so these are the ways in which people respond to the gospel some will reject it outright others will seemingly respond uh, but there will be no fruit and they'll eventually fall away and then there are those who will respond who will produce good fruit and that is the sign of a true believer evangelism is hard due to the sinfulness of humanity but evangelism will be effective due to the power of the gospel and the grace of god so as believers may we sow the word widely trusting that god will bring about the harvest according to his will let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this parable and the things that we've learned surrounding it we thank you for the understanding of how your kingdom works We thank you and we praise you that salvation is by your grace and your work alone. We pray as we reflect upon the different types of soils, the different responses to Christ and the gospel, that you would convict us where we need convicting. There may be among us today those who have been part of a church for a long time and yet have never truly submitted to Christ as Lord and Saviour father we pray that your spirit would bring that convicting work but father we also pray that the good news of the gospel the the mercy of god that is is seen throughout these these verses that in that conviction there would be the hope that those who call upon the lord will be saved and father for us who do believe we pray that you would continue to to help us to submit to christ and his word that you would grow our love for him and for his people each and every day and that the fruit that is born in our lives by the work of your spirit father that would continue to grow in abundance father as your church as a whole here in the community church but as as we as individuals go about our everyday lives we pray that you would bring people into our spheres that that we can proclaim the gospel to give us boldness give us wisdom give us understanding and may we have confidence that evangelism will be effective because of the power of the gospel and your grace to save your people in your son's name we pray amen